You know, I had this cheer trying to get somebody to make some noise. It's sad. Sickening, really. They have held their own again, and now they're having fun. Gerard, another perfect lob to Sidibe. Just be Alabama. Just be one of the five most tradition-rich programs in the history of the sport with the greatest coach ever. Awesome. I see Buddy throw it up. Oh, okay. Okay, Buddy. Somehow they coached me into doing this. To the rim for Gurrier. Still at his feet. He's going to go all the way. It's a touchdown. Taj Harris. Culpepper found him with a beauty. 69 yards. Nice. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you into a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. You know the number by now, 3-5-4-3-7-7644. If you'd like to get involved in the program, we're going to talk plenty of college basketball on the show today. The SU women with their home opener tonight against Lincoln. That's a Division II school out of Pennsylvania. We'll also uh, talk some men's basketball. We've got our good friend Matt Gutierrez from The Athletic uh, set to join us at 1230. But we begin the show, Seth, uh, by talking college football. Uh, The ACC yesterday uh, releasing some scheduling changes as it pertains to the rest of the season. And essentially what you need to know is the conference – is doing its best to protect Notre Dame, protect Clemson, make sure that that's the matchup in the ACC title game, make sure that both teams have a, have as good a shot as anyone to make the college football playoff. New poll was released last night as well. Notre Dame number two, Clemson number three in that college football playoff poll. So essentially the conference is doing away with that 10th conference game for Clemson, Notre Dame, and Miami. They're going to evaluate those teams on nine conference games, which means... Notre Dame's regular season comes to an end this weekend. Clemson's regular season comes to an end this weekend. And that SU game really doesn't matter all that much, Seth, because Notre Dame is in whether they beat the Orange or not. Obviously, they want to win and take care of business as it pertains to the college football playoff. Um, But Notre Dame doesn't have a ton to play for this weekend. Uh, They're in the conference title game no matter what. Well, and Steve, the reality of the situation is that Notre Dame and Clemson were essentially in the playoff, in the the championship game anyway. And I, I know that Clemson could have gotten knocked out a little bit more easily, but Notre Dame would have had to lose back-to-back weeks, and that wasn't going to happen. You know, Clemson was going to have to lose uh, one of their next two games, and you know what, I'd, I'd venture to guess that that wasn't going to happen. So, like, I don't really have an issue with them just being like, you know what, let's get you off the field. Let's get you, you know, uh, let, let's get you playing, um, you know, let's let's get you playing one last game. Let's keep you safe. Let's have you guys, uh, you know, sit it out, and you know, instead you'll, um, you know, instead you'll just um, you'll go ahead and and you'll play in two weeks in the championship game. Like I, I don't, I know that I'm sure some people have issues with this, but I, I don't have much of a problem with it. You're protecting. You're doing what's in your best interest. Right, like at the end of the day, in a weird year where you're canceling games left and right, like why why not cancel a game because it's in your best interest? Why not make sure you're giving these two teams the best chance to be in the in the postseason and be in the playoff? Yeah, I don't have a problem with it either, Seth. Uh, it does make a lot of sense for a lot of reasons, and just to kind of go back and lay this out for everyone to provide you with some context. Uh, both Clemson and Notre Dame had games postponed earlier in the year. Notre Dame had a game uh, at Wake Forest postponed in week three. Clemson, of course, had that game a couple weeks ago postponed uh, at Florida State when Dabo said we were ready to play and and essentially Florida State didn't want to play us and they should forfeit. That didn't happen. Uh, But those games were 
tentatively rescheduled for December 12th. Uh, one week before the ACC title game. And as we pointed out at the beginning of the year, the ACC did a nice job building in that that extra week. Should there be games that needed to be made up, they would they would have every opportunity to do that. The problem comes in with Miami. Miami's the only other team that has a shot at the ACC title game. Miami's only played seven conference games to this point. Um, so they've got Duke this coming Saturday. They've got North Carolina the following week. Now, if Clemson loses to Virginia Tech, Miami's got a shot. They would have to win those back-to-back games, and then it's the Hurricanes in the ACC title game, not Clemson. Right. Uh, but as long as Clemson takes care of business, then it doesn't matter what what Miami does. Right. But we would um, imagine so it, that they do. Like we would imagine that Clemson does take care of business. Obviously, and 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 I'll say this too. You said that you know you don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with it either. Uh, there's a better chance that Clemson would get tripped up you know, at Virginia Tech than they would losing to Florida State. Clemson's not going to lose to Florida State. Um, Virginia Tech's not bad, though. So, I mean, again, it's not like the ACC Conference canceled a game against, like, the fourth or fifth best team in the conference just so Clemson could go. I think this makes a lot of sense because we assume that Clemson is going to beat Virginia Tech, and then those two teams would get a week off to prepare for the ACC title game and for the conference to put their best foot forward in that ACC title game with the hope that two teams go to the college football playoff. I mean, that's the best case scenario for the ACC well, is that Clemson beats Notre Dame in the ACC title game and that both get a bid into the college football playoff. Well, and Steve, realistically, you know, it, I, I know that Clemson and Florida State were in theory, you know, maybe going to play on the 12th. I mean, odds are Florida State's not playing that game on the 12th, no matter who they're playing, right? Like, the, it, it feels like that game isn't happening. And so it might be Clemson that gets that game canceled. It might be Duke now that gets that game canceled. It just feels like no matter what, Florida State's not playing another game this season. So why put Clemson through the week of practice when you don't think they're going to play anyway? And I'd imagine that had to do with some of the calculus of of what the ACC announced yesterday. Yeah, and and for what it's worth, uh, the ACC did uh, match up Florida State and Wake Forest on the 19th of December. That's the day of the the ACC title game. Um, again, to your point, we don't know if Florida State's going to play or not, but as it stands right now, Florida State and Wake Forest slated to match up on the 19th. Miami, as long as the Hurricanes aren't in the ACC title game, uh, would take on, on Georgia Tech. Um, I don't have a problem at all with, with what the ACC did. Again, to me, this is the conference doing what's in its best interest, protecting its two best teams, giving them the the opportunity to put their best foot forward in the in the conference title game. Now, if Clemson loses this weekend, then that throws everything up in the air and, and we'll we'll have to keep our eye on Miami. But as long as Clemson takes care of business, the ACC gets exactly what it wants. Um, and, and they're not putting their teams through, um, you know, the rigors of another what is essentially a meaningless game because both those teams would be meeting in, in the conference title game. And then you don't run the risk of somebody getting hurt. I mean, God forbid, you know, Clemson plays Florida State on the 12th and, uh, you know, and, and Trevor Lawrence goes down with injury or, or something along those lines. So I, I think, again, this this makes a ton of sense that the ACC did this so that its two best teams go to the conference title game and uh, you give yourself your best chance at getting two representatives in the college football playoff. And as it stands right now, I firmly believe if, Clem, if Clemson beats Notre Dame, I, I think they're getting two in. Uh, I, I really do. Um, can you also you know, think- Notre Dame, can you also think, Steve, that there's a chance, at least an outside chance, that even if they lose without, you know, even if Clemson loses, there's a chance they get in? I mean, I don't think that anybody... Uh, that's a tough sell. But, that's okay, a tough but, sell but, because but now you've got two losses and you, you lost to the same team twice okay, that's in but, the college football playoff. 
But you lost to the number, I mean, arguably the number one team in the country twice. I mean, I, I know that the rankings say Alabama is number one, but I, I think that a lot of people would could argue and, and would argue that Notre Dame is a better team than Alabama is right now all around. You would have lost to them once without having uh, your starting quarterback in. Ohio State might only play like five games this year. You know, I just I and and Ohio State's not going to play a single game that's even remotely challenging. I mean, even remotely challenging. Like they're going to walk through this schedule and they're they're playing teams that are just all garbage. I mean, they're going to beat Penn State and they're going to beat uh, they're going to beat Michigan and they're going to beat. Uh, it, like the best team they've played is Indiana, and Indiana's now got their quarterback out, and they're gonna, you know, fall apart, and they're they're gonna have to go play uh, Northwestern in the championship game. Like their schedule isn't good. I mean, what do you tell Texas A and M? I mean, their one loss was to Alabama. Okay, what if Texas A and M continues to win? I don't know. I, I don't. I I just I think it's they a, might lose it's to Florida. So. I think that well, that's true, and and well, if that if that's what happens, then then that's your response to that. Um. Clemson, in my opinion, if Clemson lost with Trevor Lawrence and at full strength, I think they would need a lot to break right for them uh, in order to to get in with two losses. Um, because you're you know you're talking about leaving like a Cincinnati, and I know they don't play the same schedule, but you know they they haven't lost. Um, you're talking about leaving like a Texas A and M out of the mix with one loss, and that one loss being to Alabama. And you're right, if they lose again, obviously that takes them out of the equation, but. I think Clemson would need several things to break right for them in order to sneak back in. They probably with, with would. They probably would. I guess I'm just saying I don't. I don't know that it's off the table if they lost another double overtime game against the the best team in the country. Yeah, but I mean, again, to some degree, it, it for them it, it's an elimination game, and you got to go out and you win it. Um, and that's why you play the conference title game. So, I mean. You're right. This year of all years, could you see a two-loss team getting in, especially if you know some of these other teams, like you, you mentioned, Ohio State might only play four or five games. If Ohio State only plays four or five games, you, I think you could make a, a case. Well, you certainly could make a case that, that Clemson would be deserving of, of going with those two losses being the Notre Dame, one of them without their starting quarterback. And, and you know, let, let's see how this second game goes. If it goes right down to the wire, to, to your point, and, and goes into double overtime, um, then maybe you could make that case. Um, because you are comparing apples to oranges to some degree this year, and not everything's apples to are. apples. Given the schedule, given the disruptions, given the fact that some teams have played, you know, half as many games. I mean, Clemson uh, will have played what nine, ten, eleven games uh, by then, and you know, Ohio State maybe doesn't even play half that. Um, so th- that is something to keep your eye on. And and you have and you have no idea the relative um, the relative strength of each league. Like you just don't this year. You know. I, I can't tell you that the Big Ten is any good. You know, I'm looking around the Big Ten, and, and the Big Ten, sure, has Indiana maybe at the top of it, you know, and, and Northwestern's been a nice story. But, you know, do, do you know that any of them are actually good? You know, they, they've got I mean, they've got three teams any, right now. Is anybody in the ACC good no, outside I, I have, of Notre Dame and I have, I have no idea, but my point is in the Big Ten, they've got four teams over 500 right now. Um Five teams, if you want to include the Wisconsin Badgers, who are two and one because of their COVID issues. And, you know, none of these teams, 
you know, none of these teams, and, and, you know, at least in the ACC, they have played a couple of out-of-conference games, none of any interest. But, you know, you don't know how these teams stack up against one another because in a normal year, you might see Syracuse play Rutgers. You might see, you know, you were going to see Ohio State and Oregon play. You were going to have a, a way of of matching these teams up against one of an, one another, and then you can kind of gauge the conferences off of that. And this year, it's just out the window. You have no idea. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, but also, the ACC is not the SEC. So, it, again, I think there's a, a better chance that a, a two-loss SEC team would make it. The ACC is, is just not very good. Um, it, it's it's not. I mean, you've got Notre Dame, Clemson, and, and really not much else. I'm not sure how good Miami is. Miami's 10th right now uh, in the college football playoff poll. Um, so, I, yeah, it remains to be seen, Seth, but I would not be holding my breath if I was, uh, if I was a Clemson Tiger fan that if they lose that game that, that they get in, they oh, would, I, I, in my opinion, would, they would have to have a lot break, right? No, I, I wouldn't hold my breath either. I just, I, I don't know that it's totally, totally off the table. Not that it's something that I would ever bank on, but I don't know that it's like an insane thing to think that if they if things break right and they lose a close game again, they could end up still in the playoff. Let me ask you this. Um, if you had to pick between a two-loss Clemson team and undefeated Cincinnati, are you you're going to take the team that's lost twice? I, mean, I don't who, know. I mean, who do you think is better? I mean, you're right. You, well, I'll, again, I'll ask that way. Who do you point. think is better? But until you see Cincinnati play somebody like that, how do you know? I mean, they're they're killing people, I, and I realize they didn't in their last game. Uh, they squeaked by Central Florida, but I mean, outside of that, they I mean, they're just they're annihilating people. I don't know, and 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 listen, I mean, what if it's so if if Notre Dame beats Clemson twice, Notre Dame's probably going to be the number one team in the country. If Clemson sneaks in, Clemson's going to be the number four team. Are you really going to set set that up and have, have a third matchup between the, those two teams in your semifinals? Well, see, that's that, that, to that's me the that would make a lot of sense. We'd have just played. Right. See, that's the problem that I have. I don't want to see them in the semifinals. So you've got to find a way, whether that is moving Notre Dame to one or moving Clemson to four, you've got to find a way to um to to allow them to avoid each other in the semifinal. Yeah, but if, if Notre Dame my point is if Notre Dame beats Clemson again, then they're probably gonna Two be three. elevated to number one in the country. And then oh, Clemson yeah. Would be if, at, if Clemson sneaks back into the playoff would would fall to four, so then right. you'd be stuck with one against four. Right. No, and, and so if, I don't think you want to do that. And Steve, if Clemson wins, then they're gonna they're gonna flip flop and they're gonna be two and three in the other order. Like you've got a problem if right. I I think you've got a problem if you're the 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 selection committee. And if I were the selection committee, I would just come straight out and say it like, hey, um, we get it, but we did that game a third time so quickly. We yeah. don't want to guarantee it a third time. Then you run the risk, though, that you get it for a third time for the title. Well, see, I, I don't know. I, I'm I more know okay. Where... I'm more okay with that than for a third time in the semifinals. Two weeks after we just saw yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think you want to see it in the semis either. Um, so if Clemson beats Notre Dame, then you would have to drop Notre Dame to four. I think. Uh, you know, assuming that Alabama keeps winning, Alabama would be one. You're right. Clemson would elevate to two, and I think you would have to drop Notre Dame to four to to avoid that. I just and you get Bama Notre Dame. In, in one semifinal. I could be I could be crazy here. I don't see how you how you can evaluate what Ohio State is this year. Because they played Nebraska well, well, a bad they the played what? 
What do you do if you're the committee? I mean, you, I don't you know. have to evaluate them somehow. I know, but they Leave played them out because they they didn't start on time. They played. I mean, yeah, like they played a terrible Nebraska team, a terrible Penn State team, a terrible Rutgers team. Had games against uh, Maryland and Illinois canceled, and now if they play this week, they're going to play a terrible Michigan State team, and then next weekend they're going to play a terrible Michigan team. Like, how do you? How do you judge what that team is? They've they've played five awful teams. They will have played I mean, five awful teams. Truly awful teams. I mean, how do how do you evaluate again? I'll go back to the ACC outside of that one game against Clemson. How do you evaluate? You know, you had Notre Dame, Clemson. How do you evaluate the rest of that conference? Yeah, but at least they beat Clemson. Right. Well, like, are you going to hold they, up? Are you going to hold up Ohio State's win over Indiana as like, well, they beat Indiana? Indiana's pretty good, um, and you're right; it's not not the it's same not the level. Same. For what it's worth, for what it's worth, uh, you know, Stevie Scott, the the CBA kid, having oh, a great year. Just no, scored three touchdowns last weekend. No, 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 uh, they're I, having a great year. But you're right; it's I not agree on the same with you. Level. I agree with you. Indiana's really good, but like, it's not the same. And I mean, no. I guess you could um, you could pick apart anything if you really want to. You know, if you want to look at Alabama, do we know how good the SEC is this year? And you know, they they played Missouri, they played Texas A and M early, absolutely smoked them. A um, and M was dealing with COVID issues at the time. They play Ole Miss, they play they they destroyed Georgia, uh, but then got Tennessee, Mich- Mississippi State, Kentucky, um, Auburn. And now they're going to get LSU. Like, yeah, that looks stronger, but we don't know how good any of those good teams are either. So the committee has said that they're going to have to rely on the eye test more so than ever. Um, and that's why I, I bring up Cincinnati because, you know, if you're – I'll go back to the point of if you're a two-loss Clemson team or you have an unbeaten Cincinnati, who are you taking? And I realize Cincinnati has played a light schedule. They're outscoring their opponents. The average game score this year is 41-15. to 15. Yeah. I mean, they are they're, – they're, offensively, they're very good. Defensively, they're very good. And, and until you see them against one of the better teams in the country, we just don't know. And you'd put them um, on so the field. I guess me with, personally, you'd put as, them as on a the college field. football fan, I think I'd like to. I think I'd like to see them over a team that's lost twice. What were you sure. going to say, Seth? No, I was going to say you'd put them on the field with Alabama, and they probably get run off the field. Probably. probably. Same with, same with like I, BYU, and BYU has gotten no love from the committee at all. And I know that they've played an even weaker schedule than than Cincinnati has, but they're you know in the mid-teens. They're thirteen right now. Yeah, but I guess the way I look at it is, you know, Cincinnati at least earned the right to be there, whereas if Clemson loses twice to the same opponent, um, you could make the case, or at least yeah. I would make the case, that they don't deserve to be there. They didn't play their way into the college football playoff. It's probably going to be a moot point because I think we're going to see Clemson beat Notre Dame in the ACC title game with Trevor Lawrence there, but... Um, you know, well, that's why they play the games. We'll we'll see how it plays out. I, I don't think Cincinnati's dead yet, I guess is my point. 315-437-7644. We've got to take our first time out back after this on ESPN Radio. On Twitch, Q Sports Talk and ESPN Radio 97.7 at 100.1. Live from Armory Square, this is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. All right, hour number two of the show underway on ESPN Radio. We're brought to you in part by Route 34. You pull them, 315-437-7644. Phone lines open all of our number two. And with that in mind, we go to the phone lines. Pat in Syracuse kicking off the second hour. Hey, Pat. 
You know what's weird is I looked after our call yesterday on Syracuse's three-point percentage last year. Actually, it was better than the year before, which was really surprising. It was 32.2%, which ranked 122nd, uh, which isn't enough to get it done. I thought the percentage itself wasn't bad, but 122nd, I don't understand because you go back just one year, and they were 32.9, so over a half a percentage point higher, and they were in the top 100. So it's kind of hard for your percentage to get better, and you get 10% worse in your ranking. I don't get that at all. Um, but that's what the stats say on, on sports reference. Um, but that's enough about the numbers. Uh, that I just thought that was really weird. I had to look at it like three times just to try to figure out how that could be that you could go down 35, 40 spots, and your percentage went up. So that means everybody else is bricking shots uh, more. But in, in terms of that other call or Pat, uh, here's the deal. Kadari is not an assumed better. He is not a assumed better defensive player because he was saying that, you know, hopefully for his defense. I, I said it yesterday. I'm, I'm going to reaffirm it. Right now, as bad as Joe is, Kadari is worse on defense. Now, he's 6'6", he's bigger, he's, he's more athletic, but he didn't get it done. He was lost. So the tape doesn't lie. Go look at the tape of just this one game, and to me, that's kind of the piece. Um, going to Matt's interview there, I think it's interesting with this team. I, I, I love to have a friendly bet with you guys. I, I, don't see, I don't see one minute of Quincy at the five, not, not even one minute. I mean, we couldn't see Bursette at the five. Um, you go back over the year. I, I just don't see it. Uh, I, I really don't. You had a caller that said James Sullivan played a little bit of five. He never played one minute of the five. Not even not. There was no chance of that ever happening, and it didn't happen. Um, my most biggest concern with this team is: look, we got more weapons this year in terms of actual numbers. You, you got John Bowl. You have obviously Frank. You got Jesse. But if we're not going to use them, then I'm not sure. And here's the thing with Coach Beheim: Like, it'd be different if Joe had a decent game. But when when you're stinking up the floor as bad as Joe was and, and, and you're Kadari and you still can't get in the game, I understand he wanted to win the game. But could Kadari have done much worse than Joe? I mean, he, he couldn't have shot any worse. Um, he already was playing bad defense, and maybe that's why he didn't get in the game. But – Joe, Joe wasn't playing good defense either. So I, I just think that that was a bad message moving forward. I know he wanted to win the game, but to me, if you recruit somebody and give them all the props that you're giving them, then put them in the damn game. And that, and that's what's really uh, just perplexing after one game. Obviously, we're all jabbing at the dartboard because it's just one game. So be looking forward to the game tomorrow night. Uh, hopefully we'll talk soon, guys. Thanks. You know, I Steve, appreciate checking in, Pat. Steve, yeah, go ahead, to, Seth. To Pat's point, like I think that that's kind of what I've been saying about Kadari uh, playing that last point that he made. Like, yeah, Joe was pretty terrible, and even if Kadari is, um, you know, not where you want him defensively, or he's committed a couple of fouls, uh, doesn't it still make sense to get him in the game? You know, like he can't be that much worse than what Joe was. And again, I'm not suggesting, hey, play the guy for for the last 20 minutes, like. Get him a little run. And again, I know that Jim doesn't care what I say, but it's it's just perplexing. It, it doesn't make sense when you look at how that game played out. That That's what just confuses me. 
So we we discussed this on Monday, and I'll go back to what I said on Monday. And and you you very well know this, Seth, that while you may have put Kadari Richmond in the game in the second half, and, and maybe I would have put Kadari Richmond in the game in the second half, Jim Beheim has showed over the course of, of 45 years that he goes with the guys that he trusts in crunch time. Yes. And that entire second half was crunch time. They were down double digits, and they were scratching and clawing their way back. And so, you know, I think Jim looks at it as, can I really afford to put in a true freshman? It's his first game. You know, he may make mistakes. He trusted Joe, even though he was shooting poorly, eventually he'll knock down a couple shots. Right, because you're doing do? law of average. He eventually stuff. knocked down a couple of shots and maybe the biggest shot of the game. So it's that's 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 Jim's style. That's his M.O. is that, you know, with the guys that he trusts, he's going to leave them in there. He's going to trust that they're going to make the right plays down the stretch of games. And when when you're in crunch time, he goes with those guys. And, and they were in crunch time the entire way. And so, again, I said it on Monday. I'll say it again. If Syracuse is up by six or eight in the second half, midway through the second half and Joe's 0 for 10, maybe he does sit him down for a couple minutes. But the fact that they were down six or eight, it, it felt like the entire second half until, you know, it got late and Syracuse pulled even and then pulled ahead. It, the, the whole second half was crunch time. And so I, I just, I think he looked at it as this isn't a great time to experiment with Kadari Richmond. He's got a bright future, but not today. We need to win today. And that, and, and Jim went with, he's always going to side with, you know, going for the win. And, and he went for the win opposed to, you know, maybe sitting down Joe, letting him get a breather, recalibrate himself, because the danger of putting in a true freshman who might make some mistakes in two or three minutes in a game when you're losing by a few possessions, you, you can't afford to, to fall down by more possessions. Sure, but and I'll, I'll echo a point here that CBW makes in our Twitch chat because I think it's a very good point. It's, it's kind of where I was going. Um, how do you build that trust? How do you get the confidence in somebody if you're not going to play them? You know, if you're not going to play them in that situation, how do you get the confidence that the next time you're in that situation that he'll live up to it? You know, if if you don't put Frank Anselm into the game, how do you know that when you need to put him in, he can? If you're not going to put Jesse Edwards into the game when you can, how do you know that he can do it when you need him to? You know, if you're not going to put it, you you. If you're not going to put Kadari in in that situation, in how do you know the next time he will? Practice is so different from games. I mean, you know that. Hang on. You, it's so different. Right, I stopped talking because I didn't want to interrupt you. But you do it in practice, and you do it throughout throughout games. You don't necessarily do it in crunch time. Like, he's not putting Frank or Jesse in crunch time unless he absolutely has to. He didn't put Kadari in during crunch time because he didn't absolutely have to. And, again, it's hard to have this argument, Seth, because Joe proved him right. Like, it, Joe – eventually made a couple of shots. I know that he did not play well. It was the worst, we, you know, bang, I've said, the worst we've ever seen him play. You know, I'll echo that as well. We've seen him play in high school and college. He, he played awful on Friday. But when push came to shove, I mean, the kid's a gamer, and he made arguably the biggest shot of the game. You know, he made two threes down the stretch, including maybe the biggest shot of the game. And so it's, that's that's where you earn the trust, right? I mean, Joe has his trust. He he knows he can count on Joe in crunch time. He doesn't know that he can count on Kadari in that situation. He doesn't know he can count on Jesse or Frank. And you're right. How do you know unless they're they're you know in the fire like that? Well, you you work your way up to that. You do it in practice. You do it in first halves of games that are close. You do it maybe midway through the second half of a game that's close, but you don't do it in the final minutes. And again, that entire second half felt like crunch time because they were losing to a team that they were, you know, they were favored by 22 and a half to beat. You know, to one point that you made, and I, I hate this, the, the comment so much, and it's, it's not only you who say it, it's a lot of people. And I think I even heard Jim Beheim say it. Um, the idea that like, 
oh, well, it worked out, so it was the right decision. You know, oh, Joe hit those two shots, so it was the right move to leave him in the the whole time. Um, I hate the idea that you're playing the result. We talked about this in football. We talked about this with Dino Babers, where he didn't go for it on fourth down and one against Clemson. But, oh, it was the right decision because Clemson went three and out. No, that doesn't make it the right decision because when you decide to punt, you don't know that Clemson's going to go three and out. When you decide to leave Joe Girard in the game, you don't know he's going to hit two big threes. Well, it's well, like, any big like coaching playing, decision, Seth, but, you don't know how it's going to play out. Right. So you that, go with your gut, and then all you have to judge it is on how it played out. But the but but my point is that you can't say, oh, well, it was the right decision because we did this. That doesn't – like. How how do you know that in the moment? So oh so if he missed those two shots, you would have been like, well, I guess I should have played Kadari those five minutes in the second half. No no like, no no it, no. And again, I, what, I don't. And, and Seth, I hate that rationale. Seth, and, and my point is, is that you know, I said, listen, if it were me, I'd probably put Kadari in the game in the second half. If it were you, it sounds like you would have put Kadari in the game in the second half. I'm saying it's hard to have this discussion because Jim Bayon can point to the fact that uh, of how it played out. Joe stayed in the game. Joe was dreadful for the first 30 minutes. And then Joe came up with a couple of big shots. He had that one loose ball that he tracked down and he threw the lob to, to uh, Alan Griffin for the dunk. I, he made some, some game changing type plays when push came to shove. And so it's hard to say, well, why didn't you play Kadari? Well, the reason he didn't play Kadari is for exactly what happened that Joe stayed in and was a big reason why they won that game. Now you could say he, he might've been a reason and maybe a big reason for why they were down by double digits in the second half. But ultimately he was also a big reason why they won that game. Yeah. I mean, I think that I would argue that for the first 35 minutes of the game, he was a big reason why they were in the position they were in. I mean, it's, it's an easy argument to make. Right, and and it's just as easy as you can make that argument. Jim Bayham can turn around and point to what he did at the end of the game and said, that's why he's in there, because our players make plays, and we trust him, and ultimately he's going to come through and make winning plays, and and that's what he did. So I, I understand what you're saying, but how do we evaluate coaching decisions? You evaluate coaching decisions by wins and losses and by the end result. And any difficult coaching decision, you could go one of two ways, right? And how do you judge it? You judge it based on what happened. You judge it based on did it work, did it not work? And in this case, what Jim Beheim did ultimately worked, and they ultimately won the game, which is you know obviously the goal. And that was the goal on Friday night, and they accomplished that. Absolutely. Right. Uh, yeah, they did. Three, you're, you're right. All right. 315-437-7644. Uh, Steven North Syracuse up next on the show. Hey, Steve. Yeah, just to inject a few things into that discussion, I look at the box score, and Joe had six rebounds, four assists, and three steals, which is a pretty substantial contribution. Another point is that uh, uh, Bryant was playing zone much of the time, and uh, in, in, with the zone, I think you're going to go with Joe, uh, even if he's having a bad shooting night, because he is by nature an outside shooter rather than uh, the freshman Richmond, whose game is to, to penetrate and dish. And I think that's why he was in there. And uh, Beheim has said in the past that uh, his, his tendency with a guy that he knows is a good shooter who's not having a good shooting night is to stick with him because he, the law of averages is that he's going to find the range and, and make some shots at the end of the game. I can remember at least two games where Jerry McNamara never made a shot till he made the winning shot, and that's what 
what Bayheim goes for in, in that situation. So it's not just a spin of the roulette wheel and let's see what happens. Uh, I think it shows some faith in, in the player. And we were in a competitive game, so uh, in a competitive game, he's going to go with his uh, experienced players, and Joe was a more experienced player, and I think that's why he left him in there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I agree with you, Steve. And I, and I know that my thought on this is very much in the minority, Seth. Um, but that that's that's the way Coach Beheim has 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 done it for forty five years, and I don't think he's changed it anytime soon. So, I mean, you asked the question, you didn't understand it, and I, I'm just trying to lay out to you why he did what he did. And again, it's it's difficult to to argue the point because ultimately he was right. And and you know, and Steve brings up another example with Jerry. I mean, that he has a track record of 45 years of trusting the players that are on the floor. And again, not to say Kadari can't do it or won't do it someday, but in the here and now, in, in his first game in college, Coach Bayon thought it was better to to leave Joe out there, let him play his way through the slump. And again, it, it worked out for them. They were able to come back and they were fortunate to win the game, but they, they ultimately uh, did win that game. We do have to take another timeout, 315-437-7644. Conversation continues on the other side. Back after this on ESPN Radio.